0: Great to be back on Search the Scriptures today with all of our listeners. So good to have you there. So good to know that there are so many who want to learn God's Word more fully. We know that there are many of you who are listening on a daily basis because we've heard from many of you. And if not daily, there are many of you who are listening very frequently as you have the opportunity And others who listen maybe a little less frequently because maybe your work schedule or some other schedule during your day, your normal routine day gets in the way, but but you listen very frequently. And then there are others who listen less often, and there are always those new listeners. We appreciate every single one of you. Whether you listen every day or maybe three or four days out of the week, or maybe you just catch it couple of times a week or here and there as you have the opportunity, and we appreciate you new listeners, all of you who are wanting to learn God's Word better. That's what Search the Scriptures is about largely. We want to bring God glory by teaching His Word accurately and effectively, and we do, and those of you who may be listening for the first time today We do hope that you will notice that we really dig deep into the scriptures. We look at what they say. We don't just do surface level teaching here on this program. We wanna help you learn God's word more fully, in more depth, in more detail, because that is the means of building your faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It's a simple formula. Faith is not going to just happen to you. God does not just somehow bestow faith upon some people and then withhold it from others. That doesn't make any sense. Faith comes, develops within you as you learn God's word more fully, understand it, and make the proper applications to your life. Faith is, a, is, is something that is logical in its process of being developed. And as your faith in God grows, then you should come closer to God. And our prayer is that ultimately, you wanna to come to God all the way, His way, through Christ, your Lord and Savior, your only Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and being baptized into Him for the remission of your sins, and coming up out of that grave of baptism that you are just immersed in, reborn spiritually, walking that new life in Christ and heading toward heaven. Oh, what a great image that is. What a beautiful, wonderful thought. What hope that gives us. And our prayers are with you and they're for you. We're gonna go back to our study today talking about the inconsistencies of man concerning religion. Now we've talked about man's use of logical reasoning on a regular basis to the extent that we don't even think about it a lot of times. We understand that certain things have to happen in certain ways for a desired result. So many of these situations are routine in our lives that we don't even think about them. And we've talked about that. There are certain things that we just know this has to happen before this can take place. You gotta start your car before you can drive it anywhere. You gotta put it into gear before you can go anywhere. You gotta use the brake pedal, you have gotta use the accelerator in order to operate that car properly. We understand all of that. There are so many things that we, again, just do automatically because we know by logical reasoning that there's a process that has to take place in order to get the end result that we desire. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to religion, for some reason, we think it's logical to throw out the rule book of logic. And all of a sudden, We just start operating on emotion, feeling, what we want, and we don't stop and use the same principles of logical reasoning that we use through most of the rest of our lives. If you ladies decide you want to go to your kitchen today and you're going to fix a meal, and so you put it all together in a pan, what do you do next? You're probably going to put it either on top of your stove or maybe into the oven or put it into a microwave but you're going to use some mechanism of cooking or heating up that meal. You understand that? It's logical. It makes sense. You've done it thousands of times. You don't even think about Well, should I do this, or shouldn't I do this, or does this make any sense? You know it does. You know what you need to do. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, for some reason we think there's no hard and fast. There's no absolute. There are no rules. And so the devil has been very skillful in luring us into believing that Well, just do whatever feels good. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever seems right to you. No, do what God has instructed. So is one church as good as another? No church as good as any church? The answer is no. Jesus promised to build his church Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. His church is his body and he is its only head. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 and Colossians 1 and verse 18. Christ gave himself for his church. Ephesians 5 and verse 25. And he adds those who come to salvation to his church. Acts 2 and verse 47. Now, do you think it doesn't make any difference which church you need to focus upon? Do you think Jesus doesn't care about whether or not you become a part of his body, his church? Doctrine, the word means teaching. Does it make any difference what you believe, what you teach, what you practice? In your Christianity, of course it does. It makes all the difference in the world. Paul says there is one Lord. There is one body, speaking of the church. There is one Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit. There is one hope. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism and that's immersion in water for the purpose of having your sins washed away and coming to salvation and coming into Christ. And there is one God, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It's not difficult to understand, but the devil does want to cloud the issue, and he's very skillful at doing that. Paul was teaching the correctness of understanding that there is one way that God has laid out for us in his word, the one God who sent the one Savior to establish his one church. Doctrine matters. What we believe, what we teach, what we practice. Well, let's look at another area where we become illogical when it comes to our spiritual lives. What a person needs to do in order to be saved. A lot of people would think it's not really that big a deal. Whatever feels good, whatever your heart says, people would say, whatever you think, whatever seems right. The Bible doesn't say any of those things. Does it matter how we do things or not? Is there a right way and a wrong way to do things? Would you want to take your car to a mechanic and have him take apart some particular section of that car? Maybe your engine or your transmission? Or maybe you go to a body shop and you have had an accident and you destroyed one side of your car, and so they take all the parts off to replace them, but in talking to the mechanic or the body repair man, he says, you know, I'm not sure how this is supposed to be put back together, but I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna give it a good shot here. You wouldn't want him working on your car. Does it matter whether or not you use the right ingredients in baking a cake? If you want the cake to turn out right, it does. Does it matter if you stand in a bucket of water while changing a light bulb? Don't have to answer that question, do we? <laughs> well, if we consistently realize that how we do something matters in virtually every area of life, then why do we do a complete reversal when it comes to our spiritual life? Jesus specifically said that we must believe in and be baptized in order to be saved. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, in giving the apostles the Great Commission, Jesus told them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Now, the equation there, if you want to look at it in the form of mathematics, if that helps you look at it more logically, Jesus says belief and baptism leads to salvation. He doesn't say belief and then you're saved and then get baptized later. He doesn't say all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart. You're not going to find that anywhere in the scriptures. He says He tells the apostles, this is what I want you to teach everybody, the gospel. And he who responds to that gospel by believing and being baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Why would we think that we can do it some other way and it will still lead to salvation? Peter said... When he was asked on Pentecost, as the church was being born on this earth, people asked him, what shall we do? He had just been preaching the gospel of Christ. What shall we do, they said. Peter said in Acts chapter two and verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins in order to have your sins cleansed, washed away. In fact, that's exactly what Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus when the Lord himself sent Ananias to teach the gospel to Saul of Tarsus. And Saul, who later became the apostle Paul, when he recounted that experience in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, he said, Ananias said to him, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Is it okay if we leave out repentance in that equation? Is it all right if we leave out belief in the equation that Jesus gave the apostles, as we've read a moment ago in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16? Well, you'd say, well, of course you can't leave out belief. It's not all right to leave out baptism either. Well, of course you cannot leave out repentance in Acts 2 and verse 38. No, you can't. Neither can you leave out baptism. They're right there together. In both of those texts, the two elements are joined by the coordinating conjunction and. They go together. They cannot be separated and still be the statement of salvation They cannot still be what leads a person to salvation in Jesus Christ. You have to believe and be baptized. You have to repent and be baptized. In Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he coupled two more elements into the equation of what a person needs to do in order to be saved. He said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, the coordinating conjunction and. You have to believe and you have to confess your faith in Christ openly. Both elements are components of the plan of salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ to lead us to forgiveness and salvation, to redemption, to eternal life. Now, Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, just because it does not have the word baptism in there does not change the fact that a person has to be baptized in order to be saved, in order to be forgiven, because that, that word, that teaching, that doctrine is found, as we've already seen, in Jesus' own commandment In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and as Peter, guided by the Holy Spirit, on that day of Pentecost, preached in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. You see, all of those things go together. We have to believe. We have to repent. We have to confess our faith in Christ. We have to be baptized into him for the remission of our sins and salvation. And that's not all. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus himself says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Once we have been baptized into Christ, acting upon our faith, having repented and confessed openly our faith in Christ, when we come up out of that water, we're reborn spiritually, but we're just starting our new life in Christ. We're just starting that life that we have been born into spiritually. Jesus says in Revelation 2 and verse 10, then from that point forward, we we need to live faithfully, in faithfulness, in obedience on a consistent basis to the teachings of God's word. And he says, and thereupon, I will give you the crown of life. It matters if we live faithfully. It matters what we do and how we understand what we need to do to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Of course it matters. It's the most important understanding or area of understanding in our lives. It has eternal consequences. We cannot just make it up. We cannot just decide that whatever feels good to us or whatever we decide that we want to do, making our own choices, whatever feels good, whatever seems right. No, no, no. We don't have that authority and we don't have that ability. God, the Creator, Deity, Jesus, God the Son, Deity, they have given us the truth to follow. They have had it written down for us by the inspired writers in the Bible, in Scripture. And Jesus said, and I believe we're to understand that This was Jesus speaking. Certainly, we could understand that, but at least John the Apostle, again, writing by inspiration, and that's God's word, he said in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. We cannot add to God's word. We cannot make up new doctrine, new teachings, new beliefs, and be right with God. At the same time, we cannot subtract anything from God's word. We cannot just say, well, you know, that's old-fashioned. Or we got to become more relevant with the times. God's word is just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. We cannot change it. We cannot de- you know, subtract anything from it and still be right with God. We've got to follow God, his way. We're instructed to not add to it. We're instructed to not take from it. We're instructed to follow his word and have that word be the authority in our lives. Obviously, in God's eyes, it makes a difference what we believe and what we teach and what we practice in our spiritual life. It makes a difference how we choose to follow him. He wants us to follow him his way. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 12, we read an account of the judgment scene. I saw the dead, John writes, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Oh, you see, there's a standard that God will use to judge us on that final day of judgment. A standard. What the things that are written in the books I believe that we could understand rightfully, reasonably, he's talking about the books of the Bible because they contain the teachings of God, the doctrine of Christ. Are you living by God's word? Are you following it faithfully? Or are you trying to make it up for yourself? Are you trying to just go by feelings? The standard that you need to follow is God's word, the Bible. That's what will guide you to salvation through Jesus Christ. Now in just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us and you can receive a Bible study for free and we'll take care of the postage. And it will help you to see right from God's word how you can be assured of salvation and eternal life through Christ. Don't pass up this opportunity. Jot down the information and contact us right away.